0: 96.7 FM WTOB you're listening to the Wealth Guardian show with not Doug Ray this time but Garrett Ray helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck with me is Bryce Payne and this morning we are talking about the recent failure of Silicon Valley Bank morning Garrett how are we doing this weekend how you doing Bryce
1: I'm doing all right Uh, how are things with you
0: it's been a little bit of an interesting, uh, I guess I would say, week or so uh, in the financial world. You know, obviously, we got some pretty, um, I guess you could say, uh, some news that kind of shook the industry for sure. Um, you know, we, it, we were kind of discussing as a team kind of over the weekend to kind of ready ourselves for you know, potentially some more calls coming in and that sort of thing. Happy to report that you know, a, a lot of our clients have, have been you know, pretty calm and steady through this whole thing. But it is pertinent that we you know, uh, stay abreast of what's going on, and we felt the opportunity to take at least one segment of the show today and, and, and discuss uh, all things Silicon Valley Bank, or at least our take on it.
1: Okay. We're going to get to that. Uh, before we get started on that topic, which is uh, vitally important to anybody who is... Uh, Uh, planning a retirement, which, of course, we're retirement specialists here. So we want to go ahead and talk about what happened there and cut through some of the noise and chatter and some of the political uh, talk boxes out there. (laughs) Uh, Before we do that, let's go ahead and do our Wealth Guardian service salute to all of our men and women in the military and the armed forces out Mm -hmm. there that put on the uniform for the good old Stars and Stripes. As always, uh, week in and week out, we want to let you know that you are in our uh, hearts and minds here at the Wealth Guardians. We thank you for your service. We thank you for your... patriotism and uh, all of that and to your families as well. We know it's not always a uh, easy job putting on the uniform and sometimes it's very underappreciated. So we just always take a moment here and uh, say that. So wealth guardian service salute to everyone out there. Who's putting on the uniform. Thank you for that. And uh, Garrett. Yeah. So what we had here was um, the first, large bank collapse since the financial crisis of 2008 last time that that happened was um Lehman brothers yep. and this is now the second largest bank to collapse um though my understanding is that they were the sixth largest bank in the united states we'll talk a little bit more about that 16th in, in, 16, 16th sixteenth, 16th? 16th okay large, maybe i heard yep. that wrong then okay yep. that makes a little bit more sense so go into it, Garrett. Uh, I know that uh, listeners out there knew to some degree or another that something happened out there. Some of them might be better informed, but uh, that's what we want to do here on the radio show is talk about that. So what did happen to Silicon Valley Bank?
0: Yeah, I think it's appropriate just to kind of do more of an open forum type segment of the show and just kind of have a discussion about this. So when you look at kind of uh, behind the cover of Silicon Valley Bank, there's a couple things that kind of come to mind. And, And the first thing, that we probably need this to set the stage appropriately for is Silicon Valley Bank kind of became a niche bank, if you will, right. um, with who they who their depositors were, what types of uh, investments they helped to fund and support, and so we can kind of peel back the layers of the onion there. So, if you rewind the clock, um, let's say. Five years or so you're in the middle of the tech boom, Silicon Valley boom itself I mean when you say the phrase Silicon Valley a certain image comes to mind certain companies come to mind right We're talking about Facebook now meta, uh, we're talking about Pinterest, you know Instagram, these types of uh, companies that really just came in this period of a decade, maybe a little bit more than a decade about 12 years just absolutely went from a concept to Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. Massive right. scale of returns. So it is understandable to some degree how these types of industries, they're the hot new commodity. Uh, they need financing, of course. and A lot of startups. A lot of startups. One idea begets another. And so you start getting a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, so to speak. So They want to be the next Facebook or the next Pinterest, Um, lots of different ideas. And so you had a combination of people interested in getting into this type of industry and also other venture capitalists who were willing to invest heavily into that type of uh, proposal, if you will, business proposal. So Silicon Valley Bank found themselves kind of at the forefront and the center of all this financial movement of Let's find the next great startup that is tech oriented. Essentially,
1: obviously not something every bank does. So this is obviously the, not this is this yes. is the niche that uh, Silicon Valley fell into, and this was a large majority.
0: Oh, absolutely of their
1: yeah. of their clientele yeah. of their depositors was almost almost exclusively this type of uh, company.
0: Yeah. So to kind of put it simply for, you know, the listeners out there, the, the, the old phrase of don't put all your eggs in one basket certainly holds true here. And now Indeed. we're kind of seeing those chickens come home to roost. Indeed. Mixing yeah. two
1: metaphors there, but I like yeah. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, and so, you know, the returns, if you will, of the possibilities of all this activity, you know, heavily concentrated in San Francisco, Silicon Valley area, but it was beyond that. You can understand why in both investors and bankers wanted to be in on the action. Um, and so you had this kind of mecca, if you will, of that type of uh, investment and lending going on within right. this bank. So essentially, if you look at it, different sectors of the economy, we've talked about uh, the different sectors of the economy as far as pharmaceuticals, tech, that sort of thing here to listeners before. You have a heavy, heavy, heavy concentration in one sector of the economy. So, okay, now we kind of. Go forward in time. We, we talked about the boom part of tech. Let's talk about 2022 where tech took a beating okay. last year. We really hadn't seen that before, that the story around tech and Silicon Valley in general was just boom, 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 um, to the moon we go, essentially. You started to see that come back around. Um, part of this was, I think, a catalyst of it, or at least one of the catalysts was it uh, of it was the pandemic itself. So the idea being, particularly if you go back to 2020, when we're kind of doing lockdown protocol, that sort of thing, it was actually seen as kind of a boom portion for the tech industry because, hey, we're a software company. Our, you know, our employees are still strong, secure. They can work from home. Our software company doesn't miss a beat. It's not like a manufacturing company where you're having to work a steel foundry and come into the, you know, the foundry every single day and, and kind of risk that exposure and all that sort of thing.
1: So it was, it was one sector that actually was
0: inadvertently designed to do well for a COVID-like crisis. Exactly. And so when the, you've got the whole world kind of understanding this kind of new normal, that was the phrase back then. If anything, the desire to be in the tech industry grew even more. Even
1: more after it had already, yes. what normal situation would have kind of been the peak of its bubble. Yeah. It so it was like a bubble on top of a bubble.
0: Exactly. So now you can start to see when the, if you look at the worldwide economy and all the other sectors of the economy are starting to slow down in the middle of the pandemic, this was the one sector that seemed, hey, this is going to survive, if not thrive during the pandemic. So you've got that catalyst here. And I I think the listeners are starting to see what we're setting up here. Um, You've got so much concentration in who your depositors are, who you're lending to. You've got a kind of a fervor of activity. Oh, by the way, there's this pandemic going on that's even exacerbating that. Right. Now we're setting up the conditions for a real kind of peak bubble type scenario.
1: Exactly. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the wealth guardians with Garrett Ray and Bryce Payne, And we are talking about the Silicon Valley bank situation that has, uh, uh encapsulated the news over the last week or so. And so Garrett, you you're setting up over the last couple of decades, mm-hmm. what has happened here. And we're going to keep talking about this going on into the next segment as well. Yep, we're going to sure. stretch this out. Okay. But, um, Now that you've set that up, tell us what Silicon Valley Bank was actually investing in for their own long-term investments. Yeah, sure. Because this this plays significantly into it.
0: Yep. So you get all this kind of fervor activity. The bank has to invest into something. And, you know, the common logic is that, you know, bonds are safe. They're backed by the full faith and credit of uh, the United States government. And if you go back to this 2018, 2019, 2020 era where all this boom in the tech industry was occurring— a safe play, at least the the common thought was, ten year Treasuries. What were ten year Treasuries yielding back in those years? Well, they were yielding about one and a half, one and three quarters percent. Okay, pretty darn low. Um, not a return that most people would say, "Yay, I made one and a half percent on this investment." But at least it was seen as safe. Now, as we get kind of Out of the pandemic, and we've got you know the economic kind of situations going on with the Fed now, with the Fed aggressively raising interest rates. Well, what does that do to the current ten-year treasuries that are on the market today? If you wanted to buy a ten-year treasury at par value today, you could for a thousand dollars. So, just for the listeners, if you're going to buy a single bond, those are issued in thousand-dollar increments. So. One, one bond, you pony up a thousand dollars and you get a promised yield for it. Okay. If today you can buy a 10 year treasury with a 3.9% yield or 3.75% yield,
1: who's going to buy your bond at one and a third.
0: Exactly. Who, who wants that bond? So what do you have to do? You have to sell it for lower than a thousand dollars. And this is exactly how you can see how Silicon Valley bank, which had that explosion of activity in those low yield years right. had no buyers for their bonds. Absolutely. And they that so they had to take a massive loss because why would anyone buy that?
1: Right. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. So uh, we're going to keep talking about this subject. Garrett has laid the groundwork for what has happened here at Silicon Valley Bank. In the second segment, we're going to continue talking about that. Before we go into break, I think Garrett's got a trivia question for me.
0: <laughs> I, do, I do.
1: All right. So you're going to set me up for a fail here, just like a Silicon Valley yeah, Bank. Well, All right. S- let's see what we can do. It's time for the Wealth Guardian's Trivia Question of the Week.
0: So we're obviously on the subject of bank failures. Um, So I did a little research this morning, Bryce, and um, this is straight from fdic.gov. Okay. And it studies the... My favorite website, by the way. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, It studies the year's recent history from 2001 to current year, 2023. Okay. Okay, so 22 years of recent history. And my question to you is, During that 22-year time frame, how many banks have failed? Is it A, more than 25, B, more than 250, or C, more than 500 banks?
1: Okay, I will think about that, and we will cover it on the other side of the break. Stick around for the answer to that trivia question. On the other side of this short break, this is Bryce Payne. With me is Garrett Ray. The show is The Wealth Guardians, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. And this is 96.7 FM, WTOB. 96.7 96.7 FM, WTOB. You're listening to The Wealth Guardian Show with Doug Ray, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. I'm Bryce Payne, along not with Doug Ray this week, but Garrett Ray. And in the second segment, we're going to continue talking about the Silicon Valley bank collapse of last week and help you, our listeners understand what that was about and what that could mean to their retirement future now before we get to the trivia question that uh, garrett asked me i've got two questions for you out there first A, are you looking forward to your retirement? I know the answer to that is yes. B, do you want to make sure that you're making the best financial decisions for your retirement? I'm pretty sure the answer to that is yes as well. If that's the case, then Garrett and I have outstanding news for you. We here at The Wealth Guardians offer a no-cost, no-obligation, second opinion-slash-review of your retirement plan, including a deep analysis of your assets, investment portfolio, insurance policies... Income needs, risk tolerance, risk exposure, tax mitigation strategies, legacy goals, and even the fees that you're currently paying on your investments. Our goal can be summed up this way. We want to help you lower your fees, align your risk, and improve your overall retirement picture so that you can retire the job and keep the paycheck. But here's the uh, caveat. The ball's in your court. You have to give us a call. We do not have a way to call you. So if you want to give us a call, our phone number is 336 391 3409 that's 391 3409 now give us a call or visit us at thewealthguardians.com to set up your financial plan review with Doug Garrett and myself today remember the markets are not going to wait for you now Garrett let's go ahead and uh, throw that trivia <laughs> question at me again here and get the buzzer ready
0: all right so just a recap for the listeners who may have missed it in the first segment we're talking about the failure of a Silicon Valley bank. So I did a little research and this is from FDIC.gov. And we're talking about recent history from the period of 2001 to present year, 2023. And the question to Bryce is simple. How many banks have failed in that 22 year period? Is it a more than 25 B more than 250 or C more than 500.
1: Well, if I say a more than 25, that covers all the other answers. So I could just say more than (laughs) 25. But uh, no, I'm going to say now does when you say fail, does Mm. that mean that they got themselves into a little bit of a a financial pickle and they had to be taken over by that the FDIC, the Fed mandated that another bank take over for them that
0: they had that there was a a bankruptcy chapter filing and the FDIC uh, backstop insurance had to kick in
1: all right uh 500 yeah over 500
0: you're right it's been over 500 give me the
1: ringer give me the ringer i want to hear that no no.
0: oh he got it right he got it right
1: I yeah, wanted to buzz
0: him so I <laughs> wanted to buzz them so bad. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by this. I mean, we obviously had the 2008-2009 financial crisis, which was, you know, th- that was a banking meltdown. Um, and 147 banks failed in 2008, the fallout there.
1: See, I wasn't aware um, of that. Okay.
0: Yeah, that was Doesn't wild. surprise me, but okay. But in that, in that 22-year period, 2001 to 2023, including up to now Silicon Valley Bank, 563 banks have failed another surprising thing that I took away from kind of reading that study from the FDIC, by the way, it's government, you know, government agencies on the website. There's only been five years since 2001 till now where banks have not failed. Oh, right. So there's, it was 05, 06, 2018, 2021, and 2022 are the only years in which zero banks have failed. Now to clarify for the listeners these are mostly small regional community banks right we're not talking about b of a we're not talking about wells fargo we're not talking about um jp morgan banks that exist
1: in maybe one or two counties and that's it. right
0: right so you know i don't want to put the boogeyman out there too much. But I did find that that study was was, was interesting.
1: That was very good. All right. I'll I'll forgive you for giving me the buzzer uh, (laughs) on that at some other point. (laughs) But now (laughs) let's continue our conversation on the Silicon Valley Bank. When we left in the first segment, you were talking about – the bonds that they were invested in. So continue with that.
0: So essentially the, you know, the failure of Silicon Valley bank can be kind of a a double whammy of sorts. So we talked about how the, the boom years for the tech industry were really kind of from 2016 all the way through 2020, 2021 really. So you had all this money pouring into Silicon Valley bank, which was kind of a niche bank for these uh, venture capitalist startups and specifically around tech startups right uh, at the same time what did the bank uh do with the deposits from investors they invested what they thought was a safe play in mortgage-backed securities and also tied very heavily into 10-year treasuries which during the previous low interest rate uh conditions we had right a lot of these 10-year treasuries were only yielding about one and a half one point seven five percent now if you fast forward to 2022 we had a huge down year for tech so we we had set up that tech had kind of a bubble for a
1: number of years and then because yep. of covid they had a bubble on top of the bubble right that's going to come home at some point that bubble is going to deflate whether it bursts or deflates mm-hmm. and that's what happened in 2022 so yep. a vast majority of silicon yep. valley bank's depositors, clients Mm -hmm. started, they were having rough, they were coming into rough times. Yep, rough times. So they needed to start pulling back some of their deposits for themselves. And what did Silicon Valley Bank do? But they had invested in long-term investments.
0: Right, that that had very low yields. Right. And so anytime in in bonds, it's an inverse relationship between the price of the bond and the interest rate that's currently available. So if you could get a 10-year bond, that is yielding what today is about 3.9%, Right. then why would you ever buy a bond at 1.79% or, or, or 7%? It would have
1: to be on sale, It right? would have
0: to be very much on sale. And so essentially, in order to raise money for all these people that were starting to request funds from the bank, because, again, these are startups, they have little to no sales, lots of cash burn, they need money, we just talked about how last year, 2022, was a very painful year for tech in general. So now the cash burn is even higher. Well, now the bank is upside down. They can't sell enough bonds at the right price to get the amount of de- to meet the demand of cash going and out. And they got in trouble. And that's how we got the double whammy. And that's essentially how we got the Silicon Valley Bank overall failure. We're speeding up some of the details <laughs> right. here for the, for the sake of time. But that's, a, that's the investment scenario. And there were two major risks that, you know, I'd like to kind of talk about that, that really the bank did. It was they did not diversify in the amount of businesses and industries that they lent to.
1: Key, key point Huge there. Huge key. They only went into basically one sector of clientele. Yes. One type of clientele. Yes. And we're gonna we're gonna give loans out to all of these companies that are in mm-hmm. this one exact sector. Mm-hmm. If that sector fails, well we're not gonna bother asking that question because we yeah. don't want to think about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's interesting because startups by their nature are risky in general. Oh, absolutely. For every 100 startups that there are, you might have three or four that actually make it right. past five years. Right. And all of these startups, at least in Silicon Valley Bank's case, were in one sector of the economy. Right. So, you know, just risk there. So that was one risk. That was one risk. And then the other risk, too, is where the bank itself chose to invest its long-term right. uh, securities. And that was right. with bonds at an incredibly low interest rate.
1: And that's where it comes key for us, what we do in our clients. So that was a very long setup up there. The <laughs> one and a half segments of explaining the importance of needing to know what is in your investment portfolio. A Silicon Valley Bank made a huge mistake in not diversifying and not understanding the mm-hmm. time horizon yes. of their investments versus when they might need their money. When we create or design a retirement portfolio for our clients. One of the key things that Garrett, we have to understand is how much money does this client need on a monthly or annual basis Absolutely, and then pad it some on top of that, mm-hmm. because we don't want to keep everything in the banks.
0: <laughs> Ob-
1: <laughs> obviously reason there, but because you're not <laughs> earning anything on the money that you keep in the bank. Right. So you want to invest it. So it keeps up with inflation. Well, if you put only a little amount in the bank, so you keep it there for emergency Mm. funds. If something unforeseen happens, like all of your depositors leave, um, (laughs) you're going to need to tap into some other investments. So you have to take a look at what is the time horizon? How long until I need this money or how much money am I gonna need on an annual basis? That is a key thing that Silicon Valley Bank didn't do, which is one of the key things that we have to consider for our clients. Another thing that we have to consider is, what are interest rates out there? Yeah. Well, we know, we have known from experience that for the last 15, 20 years, interest mm-hmm. rates have been at record lows. Yes. So if you have bonds in your portfolio, bonds are supposed to do two things in your portfolio. <laughs> They're supposed to provide stability. That's why people put bonds in their portfolios. You don't want to, if you have all stocks in your portfolio, your portfolio is going to have too high of a beta, which means you're going to be too volatile and you're not going to like that, especially in retirement. So you bring bonds into your portfolio. The other thing that bonds are supposed to do is provide income, stability and income. Well, bonds generally provide stability. What's the one time period where they won't provide stability? is when Mm -hmm. the Fed is raising interest rates. What's going on now? The Fed is raising interest rates. So they're not being as stable as you would like them to be. The other thing, they're supposed to provide income. Well have they been providing income for the last 20 years?
0: Not at one and a half or 1.75% yield. Next that's, to nothing. That doesn't keep up with inflation.
1: Inflation's been at 2% right. up until just a few years ago and then it spiked to eight, yep. 8, 9, 10%. So it was a loser there. So it was a loser there. Yep. So you have to have other things in your arsenal which we as retirement specialists do to make sure that our clients aren't getting into these uh, tricky situations. We we want, we want don't want you to be in all stocks if, if you're in retirement or approaching retirement. That's way too risky. So yep. you have to diversify your portfolio well there's other things that we can talk about besides bonds that help diversify that portfolio speaking of all of that another thing that you want to diversify yourself from is tax risk ah, yes. and you see where i'm going with that gear there's a little segue there people oftentimes do not design their portfolios or the structuring of their accounts to where they Uh, can pay Uncle Sam as little as they are obligated to, and they pay Uncle Sam inadvertently more than they needed to because Mm -hmm. they didn't structure their accounts right or structure their investments right. When you are in your working stage of life, your wealth accumulation phase of life, You've gotten used to uh, long-term capital gains, short-term capital gains, and whatever your earned income bracket is. When you go into retirement, there are a whole bunch of different tax brackets out there. There's adjusted gross income, there's uh, modified adjusted gross income, there is the 0, 15, 85% ta- tax tiers in social security, there's different yep. tax tiers in Medicare. It gets more complicated. Well, if you have if what I just said is like confusing you and you're approaching retirement, I encourage you to sign up for our workshop that we've got coming Coming up on Thursday, March 23rd, and again, Tuesday, March 28th. That's the Taxes and Retirement Workshop. If you are approaching retirement, I highly encourage you to come to this. There is no cost or obligation for it, but it is necessary that you register. Give us a call, 336 391 3409 That's 336-391-3409. It's in our Broyhill building in Clemens. Uh, We do this a couple of times a year. This is the first time we're doing it this year. And again, if you're approaching retirement or in retirement and you haven't sat through one of our tax seminars, there's going to be a lot of helpful information for you there. 336-391-3409. No cost, no obligation, but you do have to register. Other than that, uh, we are out of time.
0: Wow, another quick one there, Bryce.
1: Well, yeah, that's all the time that we've got for this week. We do hope the rest of your weekend is everything you want it to be. This is Bryce Payne, along with Garrett Ray, the show's The Wealth Guardians, helping you retire the job and keep the paycheck. And this is 96.7 FM WTOB.